You're listening to Marketing Major at Josh and Mo, a podcast created for students by students who are curious about marketing. So welcome back to another episode of Marketing Major. Uh, we're sitting here at Startup Edmonton in downtown Edmonton, uh, and we're sitting with the community program manager for Startup Edmonton, Adam. Uh, he's a former BCom graduate from the U of A um, in human resource management. Yeah. Uh, and he's also on the JDC board of directors. I think we have a few JDC listeners, so I'm sure they'll recognize your voice. Awesome. And uh, also a fan of local craft beer. So first question will be an easy one. What's your favorite brewery in Edmonton? <laughs> favorite brewery? Well, uh, right now I live a block away from Odd Company. Oh, uh, so which is fantastic. They got really wicked beers coming out and uh, they're, they're an experimental brewery. So every time you go, there's something new, which is awesome. I like trying all the new different new different flavors and things like that. It's great. Yeah. They seem like some wild dudes too. Yeah. I'm they're all, all the guys there are awesome too. <laughs> it's a wicked group. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, and then I guess the idea of the episode for listeners too is we're Adam is kind of really big on the tech scene and getting involved with students too and helping them um, both with their own tech ideas and then get into the tech industry. Uh, so I guess the first question we have for you, what, what do you, like, what are some common things you hear about working in Edmonton from students? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting. So there are a lot of those different myths and things like that. And I think that there's a difference between people who are outside of Edmonton and what their perception of Edmonton is versus what the perception is for people who are in Edmonton, whether it's just for school, whether they live here or grew up here. Uh, when you see people from outside Edmonton, a lot of them think it's really just like an oil and gas town, right? Or Alberta, it's oil and gas. So that's, that's not true. We have, <laughs> we have a lot of people working in a lot of different organizations, different types of industries, things like that. And the tech industry is a growing industry in Edmonton here for sure. Um, when you talk about students, uh, some of the big common misconceptions, I think, are around um, the money that you can make here. So you might be able to make more money somewhere else uh, doing the same job or that there's a lack of jobs sometimes, especially when you think about tech. You know, a lot of people don't realize how big the tech uh, industry is here in Edmonton and what types of companies, what opportunities are available. And so that leads to a lot of people leaving. So a lot of people go to school here and then they leave, they go to somewhere where they, they know that there's a tech industry, right? So places like San Francisco, Silicon Valley, or like Seattle, Boston, even like the Waterloo area, Vancouver, Toronto, those places that are more traditional tech hubs. Um, Cause they don't even realize that we have such a growing and robust tech industry here in Edmonton. So that's, uh, those are a lot of the ones that, that we hear a lot of the time. We do a lot of work here at Startup Edmonton to really I guess, get in front of that. So I think a big piece of that is, you know, creating awareness with people. It's it's letting them know what types of companies are available or not available, but are in Edmonton and working, what the opportunities are, what the jobs are. Um, and I think when it comes down to, to the money uh, myth that, you know, you can make more money somewhere else. At the end of the day, I think you can make more money somewhere else. Like if you're in San Francisco, yeah, you might be making a lot more money than you would in Edmonton for the same job. 
But when your costs are exponentially more than they are in Edmonton, the actual money you get to take home at the end of the day uh, is probably more here than it would be in San Francisco, even if you're making six figures straight out of uh, university in San Francisco. When you're paying $5,000 a month to have six roommates, you know, <laughs> it, yeah. can, uh, it adds up pretty quick. Whereas here, we have such a low, relatively low cost of living that even though your salary might be a little bit less, you're actually taking home a lot more money, which is awesome. Um, when you were a BCom student, did you have some of the same misconceptions or some ideas of what working in Edmonton might be like? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, it was different when I was in, when I was in university, I was studying HR. So I was looking for a completely different type of, of roles than I'm dealing with now. And I ended up working, uh, for the government of Alberta in HR for a decent amount of my uh, university degree time. So I wasn't really thinking about the tech industry or things like that. I, I had a job and I was, you know, really just kind of coasting on that, which was, which was awesome looking at what kind of opportunities on the HR side there were. And like those kind of roles are everywhere. So it was, it didn't feel as much like a city, like, Oh, this is an HR city as opposed to this. Someone might think this is a tech city or not a tech city. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty common with most BCom students, unless you're in, uh, I guess, maybe MIS or OM when your degree is more tech focused. You don't really think yeah. about tech as a as an option uh, for a career. But I uh, feel like any, I mean, you're from HR, so yeah. that's any, a prime example that any major, any form of studying can lead you to a career in tech. Totally. I mean, like a tech company is a company at the end of the day, like all companies need to have functions, you know, whether, whatever your product is that you're selling, whether your product or service, it doesn't really matter what it is. You're still going to need marketing people and you're going to need marketing. You're going to need HR. You're going to need finance and accounting and all those different pieces. They all make up a business. Uh, a lot of the companies we work with, um, especially the ones that are working out of our space here at Startup Edmonton, they might be smaller. So in that, like maybe one to 10 employee size. So maybe they don't have a robust marketing department or HR department, but they all have those aspects to their business. Um, and when they grow, they build those teams out significantly. Like we look at a company like Jobber, and they have a whole sales team, they have customer support teams, they have HR teams, they have all that kind of stuff, right? They're a company of 200 employees now. They have all that stuff, even though they're a, a tech company, they still need all the pieces that a regular business needs. Yeah, definitely. And I was thinking that we could switch course a little bit and go into the overall tech industry in Edmonton and just try to help students understand, like even myself personally, like how big the tech industry is in Edmonton and then the kind of um, companies that do exist in Edmonton as well. Yeah, for sure. So Edmonton's uh, tech industry is, it's growing quite a bit. So it's... Um, I don't have like the exact number of companies yeah. there are uh, in it or anything like that, but I know like um, we work with quite a few different companies um, that are either currently working out of our space or going through our programs. We work with like well over a hundred different founders or companies every single year, and we don't work with everybody. There's lots of companies out there. There's lots of other organizations that help um, those tech companies. So there's there's a lot of people in the industry here in Edmonton and it's growing and we have tech companies working on everything. Anything you can imagine, there's a tech company probably working on it in Edmonton here. Uh, so Jobber is one that I mentioned that uh, they started as uh, two guys in a coffee shop a few, I guess, probably close to 10 years ago now. Um, and now they have over 200 employees, customers in uh, countries all around the world, customers and users all around the world. They're doing billions of dollars in transactions every single year. Um, based out of Edmonton here, we have uh, Scope AR uh, working here. They do augmented 
uh, reality uh, for basically to help unskilled laborers or technicians become more skilled. Uh, so a lot of it's used in offsite mechanics or things like that. So they can use their VR glasses to actually have the step-by-step -step walkthrough on how to fix something. Like if a truck were to break down, especially on site up north. So that's a lot of the kind of companies they work with. They also work with like manufacturing facilities, um, big like Fortune 500 companies and NASA. They, they build out stuff for NASA as well. So when the the engineers at NASA are building like satellites or rovers. They use Scope AR's technology to help them with that process. So, um, you know, that's another one doing that. We have companies working on like flight uh, manifests and data, um, you know, lots of big data, lots of lots of AI machine learning companies in Edmonton as well. And I think a lot of that stems from the U of A and uh, the fact that the U of A has been been doing this for, well, I mean, it's probably close to 50 years now. Um, their AI research, I think it started around the 70s and it's been going strong ever since. So we have some of the best AI researchers in the world right here in Edmonton. And uh, Edmonton has been historically ranked number three in the world for AI and machine learning research as a city, uh, which is not something we talk about enough. And I yeah, think it's no. something that you know really shows what kind of potential we have in Edmonton and what type of, of organizations we have. Um, one of the companies that we work with, Meadow AI, uses AI and ultrasounds to help detect things like infant hip dysplasia, which normally needs uh, quite a rigorous pr process to detect. Their process can detect it very cheaply, very quickly, and make sure that people don't get um, hip dysplasia. Uh, if you fix it as a child or as a baby, it's like a couple weeks of the baby wearing a brace if you can detect it early enough. And if, But if you don't detect it, it means that the person's hip, when they kind of turn around 30, they get super bad arthritis and need hip replacements at around 30 years old. So if they can make this process cheaper and easier, then we're going to have less people around the world um, who are having that kind of condition. That's just one of the things that they're working on at Meadow AI. So there's not really one application that dominates as much. It's just more like artificial intelligence and machine learning that are applied to like all different industries kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's a big thing here in Edmonton is the use of AI machine learning for sure. Um, and yeah, I would say we don't, you know, have one dominant focus for our tech industry. It's kind of all over the place. You know, we are, Alberta is an oil and gas town. So we do have a lot of oil and gas tech companies, which is really cool, trying to improve their processes, improve efficiencies and things like that. So we see that maybe that, I'm not sure, but that might be out of proportion compared to other cities around the world. Um, but we have companies working on everything, uh, all different industries, like all different focuses, but all using the technology as a way to fix those problems. It's uh, it's crazy to see how how vast and how robust the tech industry already is in Edmonton. Um, is is there is there is it possible maybe to think back and 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 locate a time or a certain time period where it all started or where like this tech revolution quote unquote began in Edmonton? I mean, I think it really stems back to, like I said, the U of A starting their AI research. I think it was back in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s when they started doing a lot of that initial research and they've been working on it ever since. Um, probably the last 10 to 15 years, we've seen a lot more like tech companies getting spun out in Edmonton, um, especially what you'd see as more like the, the typical tech companies, like what you'd expect to see kind of like on the Silicon Valley or something like that. But we have medical uh, tech companies that have been uh, at the U of A research hospital 
for a long time. Um, so that's another big focus in Edmonton is medical technology. Um, but in terms of like what you, I guess like the more like stereotypical tech companies, probably the last like 10, 15 years. And I think even in the last year, we've seen the community really coming together, really growing in the last couple of years here. Um, and I think we're getting to a tipping point in, in the community here where you're going to see it like explode even more, more people becoming aware of it, more people um, being engaged in it and more people wanting to be involved in it. I think we're only gonna see that grow, um, especially when you look at, at how the city of Edmonton is putting a focus on technology and growing the tech sector in Edmonton. I think that's only a positive thing and, and uh, something that we'll see continue to grow in the city here. What are some examples of what the city of Edmonton is doing to kind of foster the tech growth? Yeah, so the city of Edmonton is taking a fairly hands-on approach with, um, so through different organizations that they control or like they either own or fund. Um, so lots of focus being put in on supporting the entrepreneurs, supporting tech companies. Um, I mean, our uh, startup Edmonton is a part of Edmonton Economic Development right now. And uh, Edmonton Economic Development is owned and funded by the city of Edmonton. So we are uh, here directly something that the city of Edmonton is, is doing to help tech companies in the tech industry in Edmonton. Yeah, it makes sense. I guess I didn't make the, the <laughs> connection back to the city of Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, it's not one that uh, might be like super intuitive uh, when you first think about it, but yeah, it does make sense. We were started as an independent not-for-profit and then got rolled into uh, under Edmonton Economic Development 2014. Sweet. Uh, what's like the weirdest tech company in Edmonton? Like the most unusual? Most unusual? Hmm. I bet there's a few probably. Yeah, there's <laughs> lots of people doing really cool stuff that yeah. I never even realized were problems. Like, I mean, like, that's the thing though, is like a problem for you might not be a problem for me, right? Or it's it's going to be different. I mean, there's lots of, I didn't even know hip, infant hip dysplasia was a thing. Me neither. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> and so when... Uh, when I was talking to the team from Meadow AI and they're explaining it to me, I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. And the fact that they're able to use um, handheld ultrasound machines attached to your cell phone, uh, and then they use the cloud computing and machine learning in the cloud in order to make these diagnoses. You can basically take someone train them for like a couple of hours, even though they, if they've never done an ultrasound before, and you can have them diagnosing this, this issue within a couple hours. And like before, without this, it would take doctors having x-rays and reading x-rays and MRIs. And even then it's not a, not a very accurate method. Um, lots of it gets missed. So I think that's, I mean, like to me, I was like, I didn't even know this was a problem, but they're, they're creating an awesome solution for it. And it's something that affects millions of people around the world. That's, uh, that's the most exciting thing about uh, the tech industry is that there's always these new problems coming up, which means it's going to be a continuously evolving industry. Definitely. For, and for future grads, there's always going to be jobs and opportunities um, um, in the tech industry because it's never going to stop growing, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like in lots of, you see lots of companies even like add and like realize they come up with a new problem as they're solving one problem or they realize a different problem and they either create a new tool uh, to solve that or a new, a new technology or they pivot and they start doing something completely different. I mean, Slack is a great um, example of that. If anybody, and do you guys use Slack? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we yeah do. so yeah. Slack was actually started, um, the company that developed it and turned it into Slack developed Slack 
as an internal communications tool for their team. And that was not at all what they were working on. And then they realized that the tool they built to help their team be more effective was actually better than the product that their team was building. And so they completely pivoted their company to build just that communication and uh, transfer program, file transfer program. That's a, that's a really interesting story, actually. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, of that future potential in tech, and we'll, we'll try to shift the focus a little bit more to our marketing listeners. Yeah. Um, What's what's a common marketing challenge that these tech startups are coming across that that marketing students can kind of look forward to and maybe try to understand a little better before in, entering mm-hmm. the industry? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, a lot of the companies that we work with, so we work with people. Lots of times, it's not even a company at this point that when we're working with them. Um, it might be just a person with an idea. Um, or a problem. Sometimes it's just that they have a problem and they're not really sure how to fix that problem, but they might have an idea of how to fix it. And so at that point, it's really, I think, identifying your customers, being able to clearly identify who is, who are you trying to solve this problem for? Who's the person that has this problem? Um, that's a huge mar- like marketing piece that you need to get figured out right at the start because that's going to determine how you build your product, how you shape it, how you talk about it, how you interact with people and your customers and things like that. And a lot of times I think people forget that you're not your customer. You might not be your customer, right? You might be, you might be the person that has that problem, but you might also be solving this problem for someone else. And what you think you want or what you do want might not be what the person who's actually going to use it or pay for it wants. And that's a big, big one to figure out really early, I think. Um, and that that changes too. You see um, who the customers are change over time, I think too. So it's being, you know, adaptive to that. I think another thing is getting traction. So no matter what your product is, getting people to use your, if it, you know, use your product or your service, pay for your product or service, that's huge. Like eventually you need to start making money at some point. But, and you know, depending on the company, it might not be that you need a paying customer at the start. Like Facebook didn't have, like we still don't pay for Facebook. Like it's it's free, right? So they're looking for users and they gain their traction based on the number of users that they're able to gain. And they weren't even making ad revenue or any revenue for a long time. It was just building that user base. So for some companies, that's what they're looking for. For other companies, they need paying customers right at the start. And so it's how many paying customers you're going to be. It might be for some people building out, um, like at the very early stages, it might just be how many people are you getting to sign up for your email notifications uh, so that you, they can stay up to date with what's happening or signups like likes on your Facebook page. It's going to be a little bit different for every single company or founder, um, but those are, those are big ones. I think finding out who your customer is, really narrowing that in, and then figuring out how you're going to get traction, how you can kind of build that out. Do you think as a new grad who doesn't have like an MIS or OM degree, do you think there's a bit of a fear of like stepping into the tech industry because you don't have that more like tech focused specific knowledge? Yeah, I think that, I think for sure that can be, um, can be scary. Uh, I think that's the case with any, any industry though, right? Like if you, if you're a marketing student, I mean, I feel like a lot of marketing students, maybe I'm not, I wasn't a marketing student, but I would assume a lot of marketing students want to work or have aspirations to work at like an ad agency or something like that. And that's awesome. But that's also something that you're really familiar with. Um, 
but work, you know, there's marketing teams in oil and gas companies, there's marketing teams in all different companies, right? Just like in, in tech, I think that, you know, you don't have to be an expert on what your company does in order to market it. You, you can learn that kind of stuff. You can learn what your product is. You can learn about those kind of things. As long as you show interest and you're willing to learn, a lot of people are going to take a chance on you. Because, I mean, what are, like, what are the odds you're going to be an expert on a tech product that was just invented like in the last <laughs> yeah. year, right? As yeah. like, probably not. A lot of people who are even technical people are coming from computer science, computer engineering, um, or the MIS side of things. They might not even be experts on it because it's brand new. So it's, I think it's more about that willingness to learn, willingness to grow, immerse yourself in it and try new things. That's what a lot of people are looking for is just people who are eager. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually going to steal that from you. Um, I do a little segment for the quote of the day here and yeah. I'm pretty sure this was the quote of the day on another uh, episode, but it just shows that how true it is that as long as you're willing to learn and have the willingness to learn that you'll be fine no matter what industry, whether it's tech, oil yeah. and gas, um, you don't have to be an expert going into it. No, I mean, yeah. I'm. Right now, I do student engagement for a uh, not-for-profit that helps tech companies. I have an HR degree. <laughs> it's not super related, right. but it's willing to put yourself out there, willing to try, willing to learn. Like you said, that that's that's sure. what it is for, for everybody. Sure. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are doing jobs that are completely unrelated from their degrees. Um, yeah, I think that's really cool. But yeah, you, you build that toolbox or a, like a tool belt, I like to say, when you're in university, it's different skills. You know, it's how to think, how to solve problems, how to talk to people, how to engage. And you learn those things when you're in university, regardless of what degree you're in. And then you might you might learn specific skills or tools based on the degree you have. Like if you're in accounting or marketing, you're going to learn more like niche things. But the basic tools are they're going to be applicable to any job. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on, Adam. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was great chatting. 